Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. You'll, if you have your Bible there, you can turn to Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, chapter 7. And we'll be looking at verses 15 through verse 1 of chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 15. I read an article this past week of a university in Wyoming that back in 2008... Uh, they st- started a class to teach students how to communicate with aliens. Uh, not illegal aliens, but aliens from like another world. Uh, they called it the Interstellar Message Composition Class. And it was sponsored by a grant from NASA, believe it or not. And according to their uh, the class notes, uh, it was the first class to enlist creative writers in a potential cosmic conversation. Sounds like an interesting endeavor. The professor said, we thought a lot about how we might communicate with other worlds, but we haven't thought much about what we'd actually say. And one of the first assignments the instructor gave this class uh, was the students were to summarize The human condition in 10 words or less. A short, simple statement that they could send out to uh, the solar universe, an SOS, to everyone else. Stating our our, uh, human condition here on earth. Well, one English major completed the assignment... They were to use 10 words. He only used nine. And here's what he said. We are an adolescent species searching for our identity. We're an adolescent species searching for our identity. Now, if that's what passes for higher education in America these days, we have big problems. (laughs) Um, But we should also, I think, respond with pity really for that tells us a lot about what people think the condition of fallen humanity is see people i believe today are searching for meaning um they're 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 calling out in the darkness hoping that there is someone there who can tell us who we are well 
we came to the book of Ecclesiastes several months ago, and we took a break for a while, but now we're back in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And last week, we looked at wisdom. Uh, we talked about the value of wisdom. And Solomon's thoughts continue here in our text tonight. We looked at verses 1 through 14 last week, and we noticed three points. We said wisdom, God's wisdom, evaluates life circumstances from God's point of view. From God's point of view. And secondly, we said wisdom exceeds the advantages of worldly possessions and security. And then thirdly, we said wisdom encourages our dependency upon God and his plan for us. Now, if you haven't listened to that message yet, go back and listen to that one, and then you'll be caught up to speed with us here today. But if you look at the first verse in our text tonight, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 15, in the ESV it says, In my vain life I have seen everything. The New American Standard says, I have seen everything during my lifetime of futility. The NIV translates it this way, in this meaning, meaningless life of mine, I have seen. And one last translation, I couldn't leave out. The, the New King James says, I have seen all things in my days of vanity. Well, tonight we want to look at the idea of searching for wisdom. We know the, there's value in it because we looked at that last week. But tonight we're going to see how we can search for it. And in our text, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, hopefully you turn there in your Bibles and you can follow along as I read this text for us up through uh, chapter 1 or chapter 8, verse 1. Well, let me read our text for tonight, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, beginning in verse 15. In my vain life, I have seen everything. There is a righteous man who perishes. In his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. Be not overly righteous and do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this, and from that withhold not your hand. For the one who fears God, shall come out of both of them. Wisdom gives strength to the wise man, more than ten rulers who are in a city. Surely there is not a righteous man on the earth who does good and never sins. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. All this I have tested by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which has been is far off and deep, very deep. Who can find it out? I turn my heart to know and to search out and to seek wisdom in the scheme of things and to know the wickedness of folly and the foolishness that is madness. And I find something more bitter than death. The woman whose heart is snares and nets, and whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. Behold, this is what I found, says the preacher, while adding one thing to another, to find the scheme of things, 
which my soul has sought repeatedly, but I have not found. One man among a thousand I found, but a woman among all these I have not found. See, this alone I found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. In chapter 8, verse 1. Who is like the wise, and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And Lord, we pray that you would give us wisdom and insight into it as we look at it tonight from your perspective. Father, we pray for our times together um, via video And I pray that you would encourage our hearts, that you would build us up through the power of your word and the teaching of your word. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to provide for our needs. Father, we thank you that even through everything that's going on around us, your grace is sufficient for us. And Father, you have provided all that we need through the power of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we thank you for that. Pray you'd bless our time tonight. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, obviously Solomon continues into verse 15 with the idea of wisdom. Last week we looked at the value of wisdom. Tonight we're looking at the search for wisdom. And I want to start off here tonight with the first point in verses 15 to 18. Wisdom exhorts us, exhorts us. To avoid extremes by remembering our accountability to God. Wisdom exhorts us to avoid extremes by remembering our accountability to God. Here's what he says here in in verses 15 to 18. He, He gives two problems that we all face. In verse 16, he first points out that there's clearly the problem of pride. There's the problem of pride. He says, be not overly righteous and do not make yourself too wise. This is the pride of self-righteousness. Not the righteousness of God, but the pride pride of self-righteousness. Proverbs 16, 18 tells us that pride goes before what? Pride goes before a fall. In Proverbs 3, 7 It says, be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. Even in Romans 12, uh, verse 3, for by grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. See, we're told throughout Scripture that we shouldn't have too big of a view of ourselves. Uh, Self-righteousness actually destroys what you are all about on the inside. It destroys it. I mean, on the outside, it may look like you're legalistic, but it it destroys the inner spirit as well. It, It makes you bitter. It makes you more critical of others. And even prideful in regard to your own spiritual matters. See, whenever you think you understand the ways of God so well that you no longer need to trust him, that's when you know 
that you're filled with self-righteousness. That's when you know that you're filled with pride. And really, you're headed for destruction. Because the inward character of your soul is damaged greatly by outward legalism. And wisdom, wisdom from God especially, can prevent that. Wisdom exhorts us to avoid that extreme. Don't go to that level of legalism. Well, there's also the problem of presumption of the wicked. He points that out in verse 17. He says, be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. See, the issue here is moral indifference that leads to moral indulgence. That's how this works. In Psalm 55, verse 23, the psalmist says this, But you, O God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. See, presuming upon the grace of God can be lethal. It's going to cost you. Moral indifference, in other words, when you presume on God's grace, and you presume on his forgiveness... So that you can keep some secret little side sin off to yourself. Thinking, well, it's not really hurting anybody. That always, usually leads to moral indulgence. It leads to greater sin. And wisdom teaches to do the opposite. It teaches just to run from sin, not not indulge ourselves in it. But there's also here a basic principle to to follow. The basic principle is this. He who fears God will escape them all. That's what he says there. Will escape them all. It's the same word used in 1 Samuel 14, 41, where the text says Saul and Jonathan were taken, but the people escaped. The people escaped. The NIV says that it will avoid all extremes. And see, this kind of captures the essence of this. Wisdom will be balanced because of trust in the Lord. We need to know how to escape the extremes of becoming either self-righteous in ourselves or morally indifferent. To escape both problems, how can we do that? Well, we need to trust God and we need to remember our accountability to him. Well, the next point here is that Wisdom not only exhorts us to avoid these extremes, but wisdom excels the advice of others. Wisdom excels the advice of others. That's what he says there in verse 19. He says, wisdom gives strength to the wise men more than ten rulers who are in a city. Now, don't be misunderstood here. The Bible says also that there's, there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. It's a wise thing to get good counsel before making a decision. That's what we're called to do. The only time that's not wise is when seeking the advice of others, you have ignored or neglected the wisdom of God. You never want to do that. I remember when I was a youth pastor, I'd have high school and college age kids come and say, hey, you know, I got this boyfriend or this girlfriend and what do you think you know and my first question was always the same you know well are they a believer are they a christian well i don't know but you know we really get along good they wanted somebody to tell them what scripture wouldn't tell them 
And scripture says that's, that's not a good, good game plan to join together with an unbeliever because you're on, you're coming at life from two different worldviews, really. And it usually doesn't work out. See, wisdom strengthens the wise man more than ten rulers of a city, verse 19 says. Now, Josephus tells us that when there was ten people in a, in a city together, they could, they could join a uh, city council. <clears throat> and what Solomon is, is saying here is that the wisdom of God will strengthen you more than the top ten people in your city. The wisdom of God is far superior to the top ten individuals in your town or in your city. And there's a couple reasons for this, as we see in the outline here. First of all, verse 20, the ability of others is affected by sin. That's why he asks the, the question, there surely there is not a righteous man on the earth who does good and never sins. See, God's wisdom is not influenced by sin. God's wisdom is always right. It's always perfect. But wisdom of man is flawed because we're sinners. Uh, Romans 3, 10 to 12. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless, the Bible says. No one does good, not even one. And in Romans 3.23, just a couple verses later, Paul says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, we and our counselors, everybody on this earth is affected adversely by sin. So we are naturally, naturally we're prone to error. We're prone to give wrong advice or faulty advice. That's why it's so important when you're counseling someone that you give them biblical counsel. Don't just rely on your opinion or some psychotherapist's opinion. Rely on God's word. Rely on what the principles that he's given us in his word. And you can never go wrong with that. But there's also the attitude of others. Not just the ability of others that's affected by sin, but their attitude is not always right. He points this out in verses 21 to 22. He says, do not take to heart the things that people say. Why? Because their attitude sometimes is wrong. Don't take it to heart. I mean, we've all probably been in arguments sometimes and, and we've said things that we've regretted. We may maybe not even meant it. But it just came out in a, in, a, in a burst of anger, an attitude that is incorrect. It's not right. Psalm 38, 12 to 15 says, Those who seek my life lay down their snares. Those who seek my hurt speak of ruin and meditate treachery all day long. But I am like a deaf man, the psalmist says. I do not hear. Like a mute man who does not open his mouth, I have become like a man who does not hear and in whose mouths are no rebuke. And in whose mouth is no rebuke. But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord, who will answer. See, are people talking about you? Are people saying things about you behind your back? Whether they're true or not, it's irrelevant. 
The Bible says don't listen to it. The question to ask yourself is simply this. Not what will people say, but what is right? What is right? 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 9 says this, And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Behold, David seeks your harm? Remember, Saul was being was chasing David, and, and then all of a sudden they made up a, a... People began to tell Saul, well, David's going to kill you. David's going to kill you. Well, Saul began to believe it. And David had multiple chances to kill Saul. See, it's, it's foolishness to be overly concerned and troubled with what other people think and say about us in their unguarded, unkind, even foolish moments. Wisdom is the art of listening to God first. If we fear God more than we fear man, we'll do what is right no matter what. And that's what really counts. Well, the sixth thing here, wisdom enables us to escape the traps of sin and our inability to understand things by ourselves. Verses 23 to 26. I mean, there's a lot of things in life we don't understand. Some of us more than others. The world often offers things to us that we think will bring us some kind of pleasure or, or momentary satisfaction. But you know what? It's not true. It's a trap. Only God's wisdom can help us escape that kind of a trap. We notice several things here. First of all, there's a problem with human understanding. There's a problem with human understanding. Often we're led into things that we don't want to be led into. Because we're trapped by our limited human understanding. First of all, it discovers our own limitations, verses 23 and 24. Reality is beyond our grasp. Psalm 139, verse 6 says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. See, too often we're trying to understand or solve things on our own, rather than falling on our knees before God and asking Him to help us. We have limitations. What also, it desires to know the wrong things. Human understanding desires to know the wrong things. I mean, that's just the way we're made. We want to know things that were not intended to be known by God to, for us. I mean, just like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? See, God does not intend for us to go find out about sin by experiencing it. I hear parents say that once in a while. Well, I don't want to push anything on my kids. I want them to experience life on their own. I'm thinking, wow, you're asking for problems. See, we don't need to learn about sin by experiencing it. God's Word already gives us enough information about sin. We don't need to go experience it for ourselves. But sometimes we want to know the wrong things. And thirdly, it disappoints us with what it learns. Human understanding disappoints us with what it learns. See, the problem with human under, understanding is simply this. Once we find out about something, 
were completely disappointed with it, no matter how attractive it was in the beginning. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 3 to 5 says, For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path of Sheol. See, no matter how attractive something is in the beginning, if it's not within God's plan for us, it's going to end in disaster. It's going to be a disappointment. Well, there's also the priority of godly wisdom. He points out here in verse 26. It says, he who pleases God shall escape from her. See, the knowledge of God is, is really a moral check on our lives. It's, it's the ability to, to look at our own lives and see where we're at morally. In Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the what? The beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. You know, you don't see this clearer anywhere else other than Romans 1, in my mind. There's a priority of godly wisdom. And it's a moral check on our society. And when you walk away from God's wisdom, here's what happens. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness, what do they do? They suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. All you have to do is look around. Look at nature. Look at what God has created for us. In verse 21, he continues, Paul does, he says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became what? Fools. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creepy things. And as a result of that, it says, Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations. For those that are contrary by, to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women. And were consumed with passion. For one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind and to do what ought not be done. Verse 29, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy and murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, 
Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. That describes our world today. That describes our society today. Their priority is not godly wisdom. Well, the next thing here, seven, wisdom enables us to discover and experience what God can do. He tells us this in verses 27 through chapter 8, verse 1. So very few today really see their need for God. But what can we discover and experience as we seek the Lord? When verses 27 to 28 it talks about the realization that some things are hard to explain. Some things are hard to explain. Some things we just don't get. Without God's wisdom, we're not going to understand. And the psalmist says, even without God's wisdom, he couldn't even find one virtuous woman, as described in Proverbs 31. Some things are hard to explain. Deuteronomy 29.29, it says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. God doesn't reveal everything to us. We don't know everything about God. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, Isaiah says about God, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways, this is God speaking, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, we need to understand that there's some things that God doesn't explain to us, and he has a good reason for it. But we also have to see the recognition of God's work and man's problems. In verse 29, it says, God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. Someone asked me the other day, did, did God create Adam and Eve perfect? Yes. He said after creation, it was good. Everything was good. And so you stop and you, you ask the question, you know, well, that's interesting. See, very few are seeking out God and his wisdom. But God was made, or man was made in God's image. And so we have God's work, and then we got man's problem of sin and, and desiring our own way. Well, the results of having God's wisdom is told there in verse 1. Who is like the wise, and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face, what, shine. And the hardness of his face is changed. Do you ever notice some people, you just, they just have a warm kind of personality. They're just easy to get along with. There's a, there's a softness to them or a, a sweetness to them. See, Solomon said those kind of people usually know God's wisdom. That's how they've cut off all those rough edges. They're following God's wisdom. Well, let me ask you, as we've completed this study, have you discovered the meaning of life? <laughs> or you're still searching? Do you understand your place in the universe? Or you're still trying to figure out who you are and why you're here? 
See, Ecclesiastes tells us all that information. If we stop and we, we ask ourselves, does God have a purpose, have a plan for me? Yes, he does. He does. And he tells us so much in his word. He tells us that, you know what, don't depend on yourself. You're not going to be able to help yourself in the end. If you're searching for meaning in life, God created you. He created everything about you, your personality, your looks, the way you think, the way you talk. He knows everything about you. And he loves you deeply. And he desires for you to come to him in remorse and, and repentance over your sin. As we said, the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's nobody that does good. Definitely not good enough to get to heaven. That's why Jesus Christ came to earth. That's why Jesus lived a perfect life for 30-some years and then went to a cross and died on that cross to bear our sin, to pay for our sin, to pay for the sins of all those who would ever put their faith or trust in Christ for their salvation. He accomplished that. And the reason we know he accomplished it, because on the third day, as we just celebrated, he what? He rose from the dead. And now he lives for all eternity with his Father in heaven. But one day it says he'll be coming back for us. And that should excite us. That's something to look forward to. I pray that you have cried out to the Lord for the forgiveness of your sin, that you've chosen to follow him, to turn from your sin and turn to the Savior. The Bible tells us, commands us to do that. I pray that God will give you the grace to do just that. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we know that we don't have all the wisdom to solve all the deep mysteries of life or figure out everything. But at least we have the wisdom, because you gave it to us, to see how deadly our sin can be. And not only that, but we can see the forgiveness that you graciously offer us through Jesus Christ. And although it's true that many died through one man's trespass, that's what the Bible says, through Adam we all died. It's also true that those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness will live through the one man, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we thank you for Solomon. We thank you for him sharing his insights through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit on the topic of wisdom with us. And we pray, Lord, that we would not try to live our lives by our own understanding, but we would cry out to you to give us help, to give us assistance each and every day. And Lord, if there's any who are hearing this message and have yet to cry out to you for forgiveness, I pray that even now they would cry out to you and say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Save me from my sin. I want to follow Jesus Christ. I want to know that he has forgiven me of all my sin. That's a prayer when it's prayed from a sincere heart that God will answer. And I just pray that you, Lord, will keep us the rest of this week. 
pray for those in authority over us that you'll help them with their uh, judgments and and rules and and different things that they're coming up with to try to get this world back on track. And Lord, I pray that they would realize that the answer isn't within themselves. I pray that they would cry out to you, that you would assist them in this endeavor. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, Amen.